As we are looking at Jesus and the Gospels and the, the things that He has commanded us to do, that as we go back to the Great Commission and He tells us to uh, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. you know, we, we are to focus on Jesus' commandments and how Jesus, uh, one of the things we're kind of looking at as we go through this is how Jesus lived out His own commandments uh, in His time. And, and tying that together with uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, with trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding, there are several things that Jesus tells us, that He commands us, that go against our own understanding quite often. And part of trusting in Him and following Him is humbling ourselves to accept His teaching his ways and not our own ways and our own understanding. And I think one of the greatest struggles for us in that is forgiveness. And so we're going to look today at Jesus' command to forgive. And this is an issue that uh, it can really stir some people up. Good people up. Christian people uh, there are people who, who really struggle in this day and age with the command to forgive. Partly because it can be used as a weapon against those who have been hurt. A lot of times in churches, uh, when there has been wrongdoing from a leader, those who have been harmed are, are told, you have to forgive. Which is true. But it's used as a tool to say, Let's just wipe away everything that this person has done. Let's forget everything this person has done. You, you need to forgive them. And yes, you need to forgive them, but that doesn't mean it wipes it all away. And so this is, a, this is an issue that many people today, you start talking about the, the, that we have to forgive, and, and they will push back. And I understand the pushback, and maybe, maybe you've been in a situation in your life where somebody said, you know, you really need to forgive that person. And you just didn't want to. And it maybe made you angry that somebody would tell you, you need to forgive them. Maybe you thought, you know, what they did was so bad, I can't forgive them. And, and we need to recognize that there is a difference between forgive and forget. Just because you have forgotten doesn't mean or excuse me, just because you've forgiven doesn't mean you forget. You, know, you can forgive somebody something and then not put yourself in a position to have to forgive them that particular thing again. But we do need to forgive. Our passage today in Matthew chapter 18 comes on the heels of Jesus teaching the disciples about forgiveness and and. Uh, going to a brother or a sister in Christ who has sinned against you and showing them their, their sin that they might ask for forgiveness and be reconciled. So, so it's, it's coming on the heels of teaching about how we might reconcile with one another. So if a person has sinned against you, you're supposed to go and, and show them that in private. Right? If, if somebody has hurt you, you should go to them in private and you should say, you've done this to me. And if they listen to you, that's great. You can be reconciled. 
And, and Jesus says, you know, but if they don't listen to you, then, then take a couple other people with you next time. And if they still won't listen, then take it to the church leadership. And if they still won't listen, then finally take it to the whole church. And if they still won't listen, well, then treat them as if they were a tax collector. In other words, have nothing to do with them. Because this person, there is something wrong in this person. Because as believers, we come, we come with the attitude that we are not perfect. We, we join together for no other reason than we have all acknowledged our sin and need of a Savior. So why would we then fight so hard to say, no, I haven't sinned? Why would we disregard when not just one person but several people and maybe even those who are our elders in the church would come to us and say, yes, you, you harmed this person. This wasn't good. Here is why in Scripture. And then to, to harden our hearts after so many rebukes to continue to, to say, no, 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 I will not listen. Jesus says, have nothing to do with such a person. And so it's, it's in the context of that teaching that we see here in verse 21 that Peter comes and asks Jesus a question. Kind of like, like when, when you know, a lawyer asked Jesus what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And then the, the lawyer wanted to clarify a few things. Well, who is my neighbor? You know, Just how far do you want me to take this, Jesus? Let me know what the limits are. Uh, Peter comes to Jesus after hearing about this, this process of reconciliation. And, and, and Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? How often do I need to do this forgiveness thing? And Peter even, so, so in that time period, in that time period, the rabbis taught that you had to at least forgive three times. And, and so Peter, he... He, he goes for a, a godly number, you know, seven days of creation. And so he says, seven times? How often do I need to forgive? Up to seven times? Up to seven times. That's pretty generous, isn't it? How often do I need to forgive? Up to seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. He says, Peter, take your seven Multiply it by 10, and then multiply that by another 7. And, and what he is saying is not once you get to 490, you're good. What he is saying is as often as you need to. As often as you need to. Continue to offer forgiveness. Not just once, not just twice, not just seven times, but a whole lot of forgiveness. And then Jesus gives them a, a parable to illustrate what he is talking about and why it is so important to forgive. He says, For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. The, 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 the slaves in this case are like Daniel in Babylon. You know, he, he was a slave to the king. He served the king. But yet he had great power and great authority. And so this king wishes to settle accounts. He he has certain people who are in charge of elements of his kingdom, and he's balancing the books. It is literally what settle accounts means. It's to check the books. 
He, he wants to settle accounts with his slaves. The, the, the king and his slaves or the king and his sons was a, a familiar teaching tool in Jesus' time. So this, isn't, uh, this is something that people would have accepted and understood as a, a, a teaching moment and a, a teaching structure. And so as the king is doing that in verse 24, when he had begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. So he was going to take it out of the man. So the slave fell to the ground and prostrated himself before him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of that slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. But that slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And he seized him and began to choke him, saying, pay back what you owe. So his fellow slave fell on the ground and began to plead with him, saying, have patience with me and I will repay you. But he was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. I've always thought things like debtors' prisons were so ridiculous. How are you supposed to be able to pay back a debt when you can't go to work? You know? But he threw him in prison until he would pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported to their Lord all that had happened. So, so the event that has happened in this parable was so heinous that even other servants and other slaves recognized how horrible it was, this behavior in this man. Then summoning him, his Lord said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And then Jesus stops the, the, the lesson and gives us the, uh, or he stops the, the parable and gives us the lesson, gives us the application for our lives. He says in verse 35, My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Peter asked, how many times must I forgive? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. And then at the very end, He said, my heavenly Father will also do the same to you if, you do not, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. For forgiveness is not an option for a Christian. What, what Jesus is saying here, and He says it in many other places as well, He says it in the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Regularly, He tells us. And, and we see Him in His own life. What does He do when He is being crucified? But forgives those who are doing it. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. So Jesus uh, demonstrates forgiveness in His own life, and He commands us and teaches us that, that forgiveness is not an option. The, the standard for Christians is to forgive. There, there is no room for us 
in our hearts to, to, to harden and to say, I will not forgive. The standard for Christians is to forgive. There's no debate open. There's nothing we can say where we say, but Jesus, this, this is a special case. No, the standard. The standard is for Christians to forgive. We, we, we see that in what Jesus tells Peter. So, Peter says, how often? Is there, is there a limit to this? And, and Jesus says, no. Up to seven times, not, but up to 70 times seven. That, that you should not keep count of. That it's this perfect number seven times a, a, a unit of, of multiplication, ten, with that seven again. So much forgiveness is due one another. That we can never say, I've forgiven this person enough. I'm not going to forgive this person anymore. There's, there is no option for that. And, and the, reason, the reason for that is because our forgiveness is based on God's forgiveness. Our ability or our willingness to forgive has nothing to do with the other person and what they have done to us. Our, our forgiveness and our need to forgive has nothing to do with the other person. It has everything to do with God. And, and specifically, God's forgiveness of us. Notice here in, in verse 32, when uh, the, the other slaves have gone and, and told the Master, summoning Him, His Lord said to Him, You wicked slave. You wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with Me. I forgave you all that you have done because you pleaded with Me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave? In the same way that I had mercy on you. In the same way. So when we, when we think about needing to forgive one another, when we think about forgiving the people around us, it's not based on, on, on how little it impacted me or how much it impacted me or on how much I like that person or don't like that person. It is not about the other person. I mean, granted, they're the one that has hurt you. They're the one that you're going to forgive. But your forgiveness of them is rooted in God's forgiveness of you. And, and, and what Jesus is telling us is that God, uh, God since, he has, since He has forgiven us so much, in verse 24 we see that um, the first servant, the first slave that was forgiven from the king, he owed 10,000 talents. Now, now 10,000 is the largest number that they had in that time that had its own name. We, we get the name, the word myriad from it. Myrion was 10,000. That was the largest number. Okay, kind of, they just, they, they could not conceive greater numbers. They did not have the name for something greater than that. And not only did he owe the largest possible amount, but 10,000 talents. The talent was the greatest currency of money they had. It, it was larger than a normal person would ever see in their life. And he owed 10,000 talents. 
It was, in other words, a debt insurmountable. Okay, this is, this is not realistic, is what we're talking about here. The, the, the debt he owes is not something that a real king in a normal situation would, would ever have entrusted to a servant or a slave. And, and just not even worried about it, then been like, hey, let's check the books. How are we all doing here? You're off 10,000 talents. But Jesus' point here is, is that our debt that we owe God What He has forgiven us is so great. He has forgiven us for our rebellion. He has forgiven us for every single sin we have committed throughout an entire lives. I don't even want to know how many sins I commit in a day. Multiply that by 365. Multiply that by every year you have been alive. That's a lot that we owe Him. And He has forgiven us. And then, the second servant, in verse 28, we see He owes His fellow servant a hundred denarii. That that would be the equivalent of a hundred days of a day laborer's work. A, a, A large amount, a good amount, a third of a year's income, but not insurmountable. Not something that could not realistically be made up. And notice both the slaves speak the same way. The, 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 the first slave to his master, have patience with me, I will repay you everything. The, the second slave to his fellow slave, have patience with me and I will repay you. And yet, the king forgives, but the second servant does not. And, and, and the amounts are so drastically different. Uh, we don't even know how many denarii it takes to make up a talent. But it's not a hundred. I can guarantee you that. So, so the, the, the second servant owes a fraction to the first servant, the first slave, that the first slave owes to the king. And, and what Jesus is telling us here is that what God has forgiven us, what God has forgiven is greater than what we need to forgive. The, the, the first slave, he had already been forgiven. He had walked out scot-free. He was going to be sold and his family was going to be sold and they were going to recoup what money he could. But when he begged his king, the king forgave him. So he walked out forgiven his debt. And, and that debt was so much greater than what his fellow slave owed him. And, and what Jesus is telling us is that whatever somebody else has done against you, And it can be very large. It can be a big, life-altering harm that somebody has committed against you. It it can change your entire life. And yet, compared to what God has forgiven us, it is small. For us to withhold forgiveness from another person, when God has forgiven us so much, it's wicked. That's what Jesus calls it when the king says, you wicked slave. We may withhold forgiveness not in the same way he does. Notice when when the king is dealing with the slave, he, he doesn't lay hands on him, but the second slave, he's throttling him. He's choking him. 
He's abusing him. And the second one says, I'll pay it. Give me time. And, and the, you know, had, had, the, had the first slave just said, okay, fine, I'll give you time, that would have been acceptable. But what Jesus is telling us goes even further. Because notice what the king said, uh, should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? He's saying, because I forgave you, you shouldn't have just given him extra time. No, you should have forgiven his debt. He only owed you a hundred. You owed me 10,000 talents. In the same way I showed you mercy, you should have shown him mercy. In other words, because God has forgiven us so much, we should readily and willingly forgive one another the harms that we experience. We should not carry these burdens around, this bitterness around. And, and that's not to say that forgiveness comes easy. There are things that happen in our lives and there are things that people do to us that, as I said, can be life-altering. It can harm us greatly. It may take years to come to true forgiveness. But we need to do it. And it's not so much of a, a legal law, hey, you, you know, you're required to do it. When we say you need to, it's for your own benefit, not necessarily for the person that you forgive. It's for our benefit. Notice what Jesus says at the, the end. And his Lord, moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. Some translations, torturers is, is translated as jailers. It's literally a person whose job in the prison was to torture a person as way of um, examining them. Okay. We don't allow that in America, but there are a lot of countries where if you're questioning somebody, part of questioning them is beating them to get the right answers out of them. We see this when Paul even went to prison. You know that they beat them. For what purpose? Because that was part of what we do. When Jesus was in prison by Pilate, Pilate even was telling the Jews, you know what? I'm going to beat him and then I'm going to let him go. That, that was just part of the process. It was accepted that if you went to jail, you were going to be beaten. The torturers were the ones that did that job. He was going to be tortured. He was going to be... Uh, Buffeted as if waves is kind of the word that it's based off of. Beaten. And then what does Jesus tell us? My heavenly Father will also do the same to you. My heavenly Father will also do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. In other words, if we go through life without a forgiveness for other people, if we don't forgive others, if we don't forgive one another, when we get to the end, our Heavenly Father is going to hand us over to torment and destruction. In other words, if, if we don't have forgiveness, if we're unwilling to forgive, we have in some way missed the forgiveness. I, I would say that that first slave 
He was forgiven by the Master, but he did not experience forgiveness. Maybe he thought he got one up on his Master. Maybe he thought it was just his lucky day. But because of his treatment of a fellow slave, you can tell that there was no change in his heart. And God's forgiveness should change our hearts. God's forgiveness should cause us to want to forgive other people because we've experienced this mercy. Should we not show a similar mercy to one another? We might struggle a little bit with the idea of God handing us over that, that no, I've accepted Jesus. I'm saved. But as, as James points out, you know, prove your faith through your good works. If we are not living as Jesus has commanded us, how can we claim to have been saved? If we aren't learning from Him and obeying Him, how can we claim that we know Him? And this is where, this is where I say that, that forgiveness has a personal benefit. I, I think in, in, in the short term in our own lives, if, if we are unwilling to forgive a person, we, we spend too much time thinking about that person. They, as, as, as popularly said in these days, you know, they live rent-free in your head because you're, you're just carrying that anger around against them. You're carrying that hurt that they've done. You can bring it up and make yourself feel good about it anytime you want. It's a burden that we carry and, and poison ourselves with. When you forgive somebody, you're not just letting them off the hook. Really what you're doing is you're releasing yourself. To, to forgive literally means to, to, to send away, to permit something, to remit it. I saw a definition of forgiveness recently. It was uh, because it, it had the idea of when we forgive, we release the other person from the, 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 the punishment we want to inflict upon them. And, and when we do that, we are releasing ourselves from having to remit that punishment to them. To do it to them. When we forgive, we benefit. It heals our heart when we forgive. But beyond that, Jesus is very clearly telling us that, that those who do not forgive will not be forgiven. God has offered His forgiveness. Just as the king gave the slave forgiveness and he walked out of that room. But what did he do with it? He did not really appreciate it. He did not really embody it in his own life. And in the end, he did not experience that forgiveness. Because of his unwillingness to forgive a fellow slave, because of his hardness of heart and his anger towards a fellow slave, he lost that forgiveness. Because like I said, I, though, though the king forgave him, I don't think he experienced it. We have to be careful. If we are unwilling to forgive, have we truly experienced God's forgiveness? Or are we walking in our own sin still? Jesus tells us that His Heavenly Father will do the same to us if each of you does not forgive His brother from your heart. Notice what He's saying. From your heart. And, and remember in Jesus' time, the heart was the, 
the presence of agency. It was where you, you thought things. It was where you decided things. Your heart. And so he says you need, to, you need to forgive them not just lip service, not just rote because that's what I expect and so we're going to behave, we're going we're to pretend. But no, from your heart, you need to decide to forgive them. It needs to come from within. Otherwise, you'll be handed over to torment. There's no room for us to to not forgive. And that, that doesn't mean that we should use forgiveness as a weapon or as a tool because when somebody hurts you or, or when you've hurt somebody and they, they come to you and it's like, well, you've got to forgive me. We can't use the demand for another person to forgive against them. But for your own sake, for those that you might hold something against, you need to forgive them. Jesus also tells us that if, if you know that your brother has something against you, that we need to go and confess and ask for forgiveness. Whether or not the other person's willing to forgive us is on them. But there's no room for us to withhold it. There's no room for us to harden our hearts, to be bitter towards one another, and to not forgive. Because all you need to do is just think about what has God forgiven you for? What are the things that you have done against God, against His other children that He has created, against those that He loves? What have you done that He has forgiven you? There might even be some people who are so uh, self-righteous. Or maybe the thing that was done to them was so horrendous that they honestly believe that what was done to them is greater than all that they've ever done to anybody else. Don't we do that sometimes? Well, all I ever did was this. That was small. That's our own understanding. God tells us that we have done greater things against Him. That our sin is so much greater than the little things or even sometimes the big things that people do to us. Notice it's really not about the amount. It's, It's not about what the second slave has done. Remember? It's the fact that the first slave was forgiven by the king. You've been forgiven. Should you not have shown the same mercy? Should you not have shown the same mercy? We should show the same mercy as well. And so I want to challenge you. I want to invite you to to consider, are you withholding forgiveness from somebody today? Is there some part in your heart that is hard against another human being because they have hurt you or harmed you, mistreated you? Are you saying to yourself, I can't forgive them, I won't forgive them? Maybe you haven't even said it so consciously. But if you think about it, you recognize in your heart you have not forgiven. You've been unwilling to forgive. I want to invite you this morning to consider Jesus' teaching that we must forgive. 
He expects it of us. He commands us. But beyond that, for your own sake, you need to forgive. Because all, otherwise we, we poison ourselves and we harden our own hearts. And we drive a, a wedge between us and our Lord. And those are horrible things to do to yourself. Let us forgive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have forgiven us so great a debt that we could not repay. Lord, we pray that we would receive Your forgiveness with joy. That we wouldn't just feel like we we got one over on You, but that we would feel Your love for us and that we would respond in love. We pray, Lord, that as we live our lives going through uh, by Your forgiveness, by Your grace, by Your mercy, Lord, as we interact with one another and invariably hurt one another, we pray that we would forgive and that we would seek to be forgiven. That we would not justify, argue, explain away why, why this is a different case. This doesn't, this doesn't deserve forgiveness. And we, we recognize, Lord, we don't deserve forgiveness. You withhold what we deserved when You forgive us. So Father, may we recognize that it is not about what we deserve. It is about what we have been given and what we can give. As You have shown us mercy, we pray we would show one another mercy. And Father, we pray if anyone here today has not received Your forgiveness, has not experienced your forgiveness. Maybe they've even made a proclamation of faith, but they have not felt your forgiveness. We pray, Lord, that they would receive forgiveness in Jesus' name. We pray that they would seek it and ask you for it and receive it from you. We pray, Lord, that we would live lives marked by our faith in Jesus, marked by your mercy lives marked by forgiveness. We ask this today in Jesus' name.